Pitt knocks out Florida State down in Tallahassee, getting their 11th conference win. Going to talk about it today on this episode of Locked On Pitt. You are Locked On Pitt, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Pit Podcast. Everybody, as always, I'm your host, Nick Fairbond. Today, I'm joined by someone very special, Noah Hiles from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette down there in Tallahassee, man. First of all, how is Tallahassee? It's good. I mean, thanks for having me on, Nick. Uh, I, I wouldn't call myself very special. Maybe I'm a little special, but not very. Uh, but no, Tallahassee's great. Really cool campus. I uh, love that we were talking before we started recording. Just a great layout down here. Um you know, makes me think twice about why I went to college in Ohio. But nonetheless, uh, really, really cool place. The, the real question I have, is there a Dave and Buster's anywhere nearby? <sighs> if there is, I haven't found it yet. And, uh, you know, if, 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 if there is a, a Dave and Buster's in Tallahassee, I got, I got bad news for them this evening because I got nothing but free time and money to spend and records to break on Guitar Hero there. You have no idea, Noah. It just kills Dave and Buster's, but we had a basketball game today go on down there in Tallahassee. You were in attendance. I watched it from my gorgeous television um, here in Pittsburgh. But, no, I'll tell you what, Pitt, 83-75 win. Maybe I don't think the box score completely reflects how easy it was. I don't think it was very easy for Pitt. Um, but just give me your, like, takeaways from this game, uh, from press conferences, anything that you kind of have just on your mind about this game. Yeah, I, I think, and I kind of thought this after the Georgia Tech win too. I think um, it's important to be able to win ugly, and when you're when you're a good team, when 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 things aren't going your way, you need to be able to grind out a win against an inferior opponent on the road. And Pitt, and Pitt did that. It's it's done that numerous times this season, and it did it tonight um, or today. I shouldn't say tonight, but you know they they came out. I think they started four of six from three. And then I think they made two of their next 15 shots from behind the arc. So that the, the game tempo, the strategy there kind of flipped and they were able to adjust. I think the, the turning point of this game was clearly um, right after FSU took the lead. They, they relied on Burton and Sabandi to really get the team going. Nike scored, I think, eight points in two minutes. Jamarius hit a couple of big shots as well. Pitt got the lead back and that was all she wrote. And that really speaks a lot about this group where even when it's, when it's a game isn't on like this was by far not the best pit basketball has looked this year, but they could still regroup, not get overwhelmed and, and rise in the moment. And that's, that's what you have with a team full of veterans. That's what you have when you have, you know, the scoring depth that the Panthers possess when you have five, six guys who can go off for 10 to 20 points every single night. Um, and yeah, it, it was just a it, it's a solid win. It wasn't a pretty win, but it's payback against a team that beat you. It's five straight wins. It's eleven conference wins now, and it's keeping them in first place in the ACC. Yeah, kind of what what I, I kind of took away from this game was actually I thought this was very similar in a lot of ways to almost the NC State win. Now that was a more okay. complete win, but. I remember that game where, you know, Terquavion Smith would, would make maybe a big shot and they would start to go on a run, but Pitt would just keep punching back. You know, NC State never got a run in that game. Florida State 
never went on a true run in this game. Every time that they would come back, and even when they took the lead at one point, Pitt was like, okay, we're, we're cool here. Like, this isn't actually anything bad. I thought that was huge because last time they lost, Florida State went on a huge run in the first half, and Pitt was down by double digits at halftime. And I think this is something that Pitt has kind of been able to do a lot recently is kind of keep the runs down. Like, Florida, you know, North Carolina really never got – too far out of reach of Pitt when they went on the road in that game. Neither did Wake Forest. Um, I think they've kind of been able to make runs, and if the runs are happening, it's Pitt making the runs. Pitt's had a lot of, you know, one of my favorite stats right now is the kill shot, um, where you kind of get those 10-0 runs in the second half. Pitt's been able to get a lot of those 10-0 runs in the second half this year. That's why they've won a lot of these key games, and I feel like in this game, you never really had a key run by Florida State. Pitt kept them at bay just enough throughout the game, and then when the run finally came – it was Pitt that did it late in the game to really close this door. I think that Blake Hinson three late in the game kind of says it all. Like this is a guy that had zero points in the second half, had four fouls, and was very clearly frustrated. 0 of 7 in the second half, 0 of 5 from 3 in the second half, and he just drills that three to put them up nine. Like that's the type of team I think this is. They're a veteran, unselfish group, and I think that is actually kind of indicative of why they are 11-3. and three in the conference right now. And when we're talking about the NCAA tournament resume, I kind of said this, they built their resume already. Now it's solidifying it. No more quarter three, no more, uh, no more quadrant three, no more quadrant four losses. And they have a lot of those games left on the schedule. They don't need one of those. And that's why I think this game was so big, just winning ugly, winning a little bit different from their traditional formula. I thought that was what was most impressive about this win against a team that you really don't match up well against. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're, a team that's competing for a conference championship. These are games you're supposed to win, you know, and I'm not going to say it's easy to win at home over ranked opponents, but it's easy to get up for those games. It's easy to understand the significance of, you know, when Miami or Virginia tech or, or Virginia, excuse me, not Virginia tech, when Miami or Virginia or North Carolina are playing in your building, it's easy to be motivated there, but Pitt has a lot of trap games remaining on its schedule and you need to win those two. You you can't, just come out flat against a team, especially a team that's already beat you. And yeah, like you, I think you said a lot of great points, Nick. It's just this team continues to find a way, different ways to win. Uh, an analogy that Jamarius Burton always brings up, along with other players, they look at the game as uh, 10 four round fights because you have the media breaks and everything in between. And they talk about trying to win the majority of those 10 rounds. And JB said on today's win, it was round eight where that's where Blake's knockout punch was delivered. And it, it doesn't matter when that round, that winning round occurs. Some, some games, I mean, Louisville was like round two, you know, they just, they just got up and they coasted. Um, and, and there's other games where that knockout punch doesn't happen until like round 10, like we saw against Miami. Uh, but overall it's, it's the ability to compartmentalize, Hey, you know what? They won that round. Let's recover. We can we can respond. It's it's another break. It's another break. Let's regroup. Let's keep getting after it. And it it it's just very really really impressive how nothing really seems to phase this team. Something I was thinking about um, during the game was, you know, I saw we saw Pitt full court press a little bit today against Florida State. We don't see that often, and the reason we don't see that often is this team is very rarely losing by a significant margin in the second half. 
like I mean they're they're sometimes they're down by like 10 with like 10 minutes to go or something but it's it's never gotten to a point where they're desperate and they need to start really playing aggressive and forcing mistakes they've just always been able to really play their game really since you know December when this team hit its stride and and just things like that it's it stands out and it really speaks to leg- to the legitimacy of the run that Pitt's on right now it really does and and I think you know we talk about this team in totality how you know there is the kind of the wheel that kind of churns everything I think is Jamari Spurton but yeah he's not always the guy that is is kind of the wheel to a, a game you know Nike Sabandi put it into high gear after quite honestly having a terrible game before yes his run um he was very very bad in this game prior to that and then he pretty much helped clinch this one you know when no one else was hot on the floor it was Nike Sabandi who scored eight points in that like blink of an eye. And that's something that I think differentiates this team, even from other teams, Jeff Capel's had, right. He's had good players like a Xavier Johnson and Justin Champagne, Audis, Tony, Trey McGowan, John Hughley, all those teams have had good players. They've never had this many guys that can score in bunches when other guys aren't having good games, because in the past you would rely on a Champagne to always have his game, but he wasn't going to always have his game. So if JB has an off night, Greg Elliott has an off night. Nellie Cummings has an off night. Nike Zabandi, Blake Hinson, you go on. You know, it can be anyone. And I thought, you know, I want to shout this guy out because I want to talk about his contributions with you. We have to talk about Fede Federico. Like, this guy just had an unreal game uh, today. His ability to get those tough rebounds on the offensive boards were so huge today because you look at why Pitt won this game, and just as important as anything, they got 20-second chance points today, and Fede Federico – most of his rebounds came on the offensive end. Seven offensive boards for Federico today. I thought he played absolutely spectacular. I can't recall a, a player for Pitt, at least in recent memory, certainly under Capel's tenure, that has just gone like this all year. Consistently from when he took the starting reins over to now, he's just been so good. He's gotten so much better. Fede Federico is like the unheralded hero of this team. Yeah, and, and it's even more impressive considering – how it happened. I mean, the best player on this team entering this season was John Hughley. And Fede, out of all of the new acquisitions, was supposed to be like the least important piece, you know? It was going to be him and the Diaz-Graham twins coming off the bench and learning. And Fede was supposed to be a 10 to 15 minutes guy. Essentially, he was supposed to be what Guillermo is right now. And, you know, right in the beginning of ACC play, Pitt just kind of says, hey, you're the guy. You're you're our big man now. If you get in foul trouble, we got to rely on the Twins, who aren't really physically ready to play 10, 15, 20 minutes down low in this conference. So he was just given an incredibly important role with not a lot of support behind him. And not only did he hold down the fort, like you said, Nick, he gets better every game. And it doesn't show up in his scoring. And and, and that and that's that's kind of good because if Fetty Federico is scoring a lot of points. That means Pitt's not playing the way it's built to play. This team isn't built to to have a big man, you know, get 15 to 20 touches with his back against the basket and, and, you know, make plays in the post. It wants to pay, it it needs to play an up-tempo game, you know, with with high pick and rolls and and outside shooting and, and, and just quick, quick, efficient possessions. And he fits that scheme so well, just with his screens on offense. And then, like you said, on defense, I think, I mean, I've watched, Every 
Pitt basketball game aside from three, where I was on the road for covering other Pitt sports. I've, I've, and I've watched a ton of ACC basketball. I'm actually watching it right now here on the corner as we do this interview. I, 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 can, I can't think of you know five guys who have had a better defensive season than Federico Federico in this conference. He should be on the all-ACC defensive team, just the way he blocks shots, the way, and you know, Pitt still gets out-rebounded a lot, but it's not because Fetty's not doing his job. He's, he's often boxing out one, two guys. The, the second chances that he created today were incredible. Um, but just he's just a, he's a menace in that paint. He makes it hard for opposing teams. Look no further than what he did to Armando Baycott. He yeah. frustrated Baycott in Carolina as much as any big man I have seen this year. Yeah. That was impressive. That's when you knew he was like on the scene as a defensive player. Uh, he is really just kind of coming into his own. And not to be mistaken, I think his minutes, the fact that he has been so kind of dependable, has allowed Guillermo Diaz-Graham to actually grow into his role. And we saw Guillermo Diaz-Graham come in you know, when Fede Federico had three fouls in this game, when they needed just a few minutes from Guillermo Diaz-Graham, really good. Uh, I thought Guillermo gave him some quality minutes in this one. Uh, he only played about 11 minutes, but six points. He had five boards in that those those 11 minutes. Like, when he was on the court, you got to give it to Guillermo Diaz-Graham. He played pretty well. In fact, you know, I don't use plus-minus stats that lot, a lot. I don't I don't think they put a whole context into it, but they were plus two with him on the court still. Like, yep. I think that's been something Fede's kind of minutes and stabilizing of the five have allowed Guillermo to grow into that backup five that can give you 10 minutes if Fede gets into foul trouble. Yeah, I, I, I think back to the Duke game where Fede got in foul trouble down low against Filipowski and Lively and all those guys that Duke has uh, in its front court. And it forced Guillermo and, and Jorge to get minutes that they should not have had in that game. I think, I think Guillermo finished like minus 17 in the plus minus. And in, in, in that instance, I really do think it accurately depicts, you know, how much of a disadvantage Pitt was at in that game when, when he was on the floor and he just, he, he was overmatched, but the stat line that you just said there, where he's plus two, six points, five boards, 11 minutes. That's an A plus stat line for what Pitt needs Guillermo to be this season. It doesn't need him to be 10 and 10. It doesn't need him to, to block what he blocked five shots against Louisville and score 11 points. I mean, if he does, that's awesome. Pitt will gladly take it. You know, you're not going to see Capel crying about it, but they, they don't need him to be that player. They don't need a ton, but if he can come, come in for 10 to 11 minutes, make a couple of shots and, and a couple of those baskets came at very key times. Uh, right to put Pitt ahead right after uh, Florida State took the lead with around 12, 12 13 minutes uh, remaining. Um, so, yeah, he made a couple of big baskets, played great defense, secured the boards, and really just maintained what Federico Federico was doing. And it, it, it's, it, it's really cool to see both of them kind of developing and, and becoming productive players as the few young guys actually on this team they're able to hold their weight as well. Yeah, I think it's been the key uh, to kind of stabilizing this team. You know they had the, the backcourt, but it was like, okay, aside from Henson, who in the front court is going to step up? And you know the type of front court player Blake Henson is. You know, yeah. he can slide down to a three, really, if he really wanted to. He's kind of got that ability, but he's been stabilizing them in the four. He was awesome today, 19 points for Blake Henson today uh, as well. But 
I do want to bring up a situation that could be a little worrying for the future. Uh, Jeff Capel did did state Nelly Cummings is a little banged up right now. We also saw him come down on a on a three pointer where it looks like he turned his ankle a little bit, but apparently he'd come into this game already injured. So, right. you know, is it is does he now have multiple injuries and and what's going on with Nelly? Um, he didn't play the last twelve minutes. I think that there are some stylistic things of why he didn't play the last 12 minutes. Worley was kind of just dominating him. Uh, there's really no good defensive matchup for Nelly Cummings in this one with how much length and size uh, that FSU plays with from one through five. But, you know, do you view that as a concerning thing in the in the future for this team? Because, you know, they do face Boston College on Tuesday. And Boston College, they're not a great team, but they do have the Ashton Langford twins in the backcourt plus Quentin Post up front. They can at least offer you a little bit of a dangerous unit. No, I, I don't think it's reason to worry. I, I think that, yeah, Nelly was getting targeted, clearly, on the defensive end today. But that's that's where Nike Sabandi comes in. You you have other options. Now, if, if he's injured and is going to miss time, I think that's a different conversation because you, you lose, in my opinion, probably the sixth man of the year in the ACC. You make him a starter. It, it forces JB to take on a true point guard role again, which you know he's really good at, but he's better – when you have Nelly running the offense and you can allow Jamarius to do different things, maybe be a scorer a little bit and then a facilitator. Um, and it also creates an interesting question where if, if, if Nelly is, I don't, and I, again, I'm not hearing anything, but if, if things get worse and Nelly's not going to be around, I mean, they do have another point card on their roster who said he was redshirting this year, but he might be available if there's an injury with, with Dior. Um, and, you know, he, this is a guy who doesn't travel any road games or anything but he's at every practice he's on the bench and he is technically available so I, I would be interested to see if 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 Nelly or any other guard on pit of significance went down if if Capel would give him a shot he's had some time now to really practice and get his game into gear um and that and that's an insurance policy that the Panthers do have this year I don't expect that to ever be activated but it would be interesting to watch. But on, on Cummings, yeah, Jeff said he came into this game with a little bit of an injury. Um, you definitely saw him uncomfortable after he landed after that three. And I think the the combination of him being a little banged up and him just kind of really getting targeted due to his lack of size on the defensive end, they just said, you know what, no. This this matchup calls for a Nike. And that's what good teams are able to do. When, when a matchup puts you at a dif- disadvantage and you have another player that can fix that, that's fine. If he's playing well, like he did against North Carolina, they weren't taking Nelly out that game, you know, and that, and this team has the right mentality to handle that. You know, there's no ego. There's no, you know, why am I not out there type guy? It's whatever they got to do to win. Yeah. I think that is a special kind of thing about this team. You mentioned, you know, that they played those three guards. They played Elliott, Spandy and Burton for like the last, what, 12 minutes of the game. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. an adjustment by Jeff Capel. No, I've not seen really anyone shout that out. But, you know, we're talking about ACC Coach of the Year conversation right now. You know, oh, yeah. Clemson is, is falling down a pit right now. They they got blown out by UNC um, in Chapel Hill. To be quite honest with you, the way Clemson's going, they're probably going to not make the tournament um, if they keep going like this. But you look at the ACC Coach of the Year running right now, and it really is Jeff Capel and Kevin Keats. Just kind of looking at, at not, maybe this game, but also the whole season – how much of an impact has Jeff Capel's just actual coaching ability really elevated this team? Because you look at what he's done in the past few years and it feels like he really is just locking in this year and really helping this team along 
with what they are doing as well as individual players. I mean, look, take a look at Pitt's three biggest wins this year. They were losing by 10-plus points in the second half against three ranked teams, and they won every one of those games. Coaching plays a factor in that. The adjustment that you pointed out today with, with Nelly kind of getting cooked a little bit, he made a, he made a schematic adjustment, and they found a way to win the game. Just And then, you know, let's take all the on-the-court stuff where there are plenty more examples, and let's pair it with the fact that they don't have John Hughley, that when this season started, the program's biggest recruited had landed since, you know, since Jamie Dixon was here, had a huge off-the-court problem. And it's a brand new locker room. But the culture that Jeff Cable, Jeff Cable put in place allowed for this group to stay intact, even after a one and three start that followed the Dior Johnson drama. That, you know, the boat never got rocking. Everyone stayed course and they figured it out. That's so impressive. If he's not the ACC coach of the year, I don't know who is. I don't know who is. And I mean, again, that could change if Pitt loses out or something. But if, if this season finishes the way it's looking like it's going to finish, where, you know, Pip might not finish the year undefeated, you know, with its remaining games, it'll probably lose one or two more. Who knows? Um, but even if it does, if this team finishes near the top of the ACC, if this team makes the NCAA tournament, Jeff Capel deserves ACC coach of the year honors, and he should be in the national conversation as well, just for how bad things were and for it to change like that based off of, you know, a great off season and some great schematic decisions during the season. Yeah. Another one that I just, that just came to mind for today, uh, late in the first half with the uh, Florida state surging, Jorge comes in with Fede Federico and the length that Pitt actually has on defense stalls out Florida state while Pitt's offense stalled out that adjustment defensively with Jorge's length kind of allowed them to disrupt some of the guard movement that Florida state was getting. Florida state didn't get a bucket for like the last three eighteen in that half. So that was a dry, that was the lone dry spell of the game for Pitt's offense, but Florida state matched it because I think of that uh, defensive decision by Jeff Capel. I think he's done a really nice job and I'm totally with you. I think this guy should be the coach of the year uh, right now, but you look ahead now. Okay. Their last final games, right? Boston college, Virginia tech, Miami's though those are the last two quad two game quad one games Virginia Tech Miami the rest are quad three quad four how do you see this team finishing out right now are you seeing a 15 and five record or a 16 and four record or where are you looking at I I, I don't see this team losing more than one game for the rest of the year I, I don't know when that loss is going to come it could come you know in Miami on, on March 4th I wouldn't be shocked if it came on March 1st at Notre Dame just because it's Mike Bray's final game. Um, that's kind of a trap game. You know, like the, they're going to be looking ahead at the Miami matchup, which could determine the ACC champion at that point in the season. Um, and then the, also the ACC tournament will be coming up right after that. Uh, so that could be a tough lot or a tough opportunity for them to lose. Virginia Tech is a desperate team. It's kind of still on the bubble, even though it lost to Boston College earlier this week. But, um, I don't know. I, I think there's one more loss. I, I wouldn't expect it to come at home, especially against Syracuse with all the motivation they've provided the program with. Um, but still, I mean, one more loss. What's what's that finish pit at uh, overall? It's 23 wins, something yeah, like that. They're, they're a lock at that point. And the, they're probably the ACC regular season champions. If they only lose four games in ACC play, I, I, it's hard to imagine they don't finish at least tied at the top of the conference standings. 
Yeah, to me, I mean, you go sixteen four, you win twenty three games, you're a lock for the NCAA tournament. Oh, you're yeah. you're looking at like a five or a six seed at that point. Yeah, I think. like so. I, I I look at that and I'm like, I don't care who the loss comes to. If you're sixteen four, like you're yeah. good. Um, I, I think that sixteen four is probably where they should be if they play up to their level. Um, now there could be another game where maybe they face one of these teams that's you know quad three, quad four team. I think the, the the scariest quad three, quad four team that they have left to face is Boston College. I really do believe that. You know, they're getting healthier. I think the Langford bros are good. I like Quinton Post a lot. And he could be a guy that can frustrate Fed Federico enough to get him into foul trouble and face the Diaz Graham twins. I think that that could be a really, really sneaky game where BC comes out shooting the lights out of the building. They had a, it's just an absolute clunker today, too, uh, against NC State easily could completely flip that script. They are a team that runs hot and cold a lot. I think they're kind of the team. You know, when when they played Florida State last time and lost at home, Florida State had one of their best shooting days of the year. You know, some of those threes that they made, especially the last uh, step-back three Darren Green made in that game, was just unbelievable. Um, that's the type of game I think you can get with Boston College. I don't know if I see that with the rest of the, these teams, other than maybe, as you mentioned, a Notre Dame team that's kind of playing up for Mike Bray's last game. But I think the realistic expectation, if you're just putting a benchmark on it, 15 and five, you got 22 wins, and you're going into the uh, ACC tournament feeling really good about yourself. And I think 15 and five is the mark. You're in the tournament and you are good uh, at that point. So this team continues to kind of just go up. Um, I, I, I am shocked. I'll tell you this following that trip to New York after they had just lost to VCU and were blown out by Michigan. Yeah. I am shocked that we are here right now where Pitt, since that game, has only lost four games and they're leading the ACC. You and, they're do- and they're doing it without Hughley. That's the other thing. Uh, I mean, that, that was the main thing when we were down there in Brooklyn, you know, eating pizza at John's of Bleecker Street and walking through Manhattan, me, you, and our, our guy Alex. Um you know, we were thinking, hey, you know, at least Hughley's back. Like maybe, maybe they'll get something from him. And man, yeah, what, what? It's a completely different team. It's a complete, and I, I, I'm confident. I'm, I'm not saying that those losses shouldn't count to Pitt's credit. It, it, it they definitely should be, you know, held accountable for because they started the season one and three, and they also lost an ugly one to Van, Vanderbilt. Like those need to be considered when you look over the overall resume. But if Pitt played those four teams that I just mentioned again, I think it handedly wins against three of them. West Virginia is always going to be a toss-up just because it's a rivalry game. But the other three, Pitt would crush Michigan, VCU, and Vanderbilt right now on nine times out of ten. It's just crazy to me how well this team has evolved once the month of December arrived. It was really that Northwestern win. We thought at the time, you know, what, what the heck is this team? That had to have been a fluke. No, that was kind of a preview of, of what they're really capable of doing. It, it really was. I think we started to see the makings of this group come together, and I still maintain their best win from top to finish, from just the best game, not their best win, because uh, their best win's Virginia. It's going to be Virginia right now. Yeah. But their best game from top to finish in ACC play against a good team that's not named Louisville was that game against NC State. Yeah. They played a top-to-finish 40-minute game where they took what a team that is going to be in the ACC, top of the ACC standings, is going to the tournament, and they just took the wind out of the building. Like That was when I was like, okay, this team could be something. 
I am shocked uh, that they are here right now, but I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> but Noah, uh, tell them where they can uh, check your stuff out, follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff, man. You can follow me on Twitter on uh, that my Twitter handle, which is literally right beneath on the video here at underscore Noah Hiles is uh, the, the handle. You can read my stuff at post dash gazette.com. Not sure if uh, people have heard of that outlet or not. It's only been around for like 400 years. Um, but yeah, you can, you can find all my stuff on that social media platform and at the PG site. Uh, Nick, thanks for having me on, man. This was fun. Yeah. As always, uh, thanks for coming on, man. This was a great discussion. Good post game show pit now. 17 and 7. 11 wins in the ACC. Can you believe it? That is crazy. Tied their program record. And folks, we're going to end it as always as I do here. Thanks for listening. And as always, hail to Pitt.